Good afternoon, Dodgeball Nation. This is Average Joe's Podcast. My name is Mike Van Ehrman, your host, along with my co-host, Sam Hiller. We're going to start off episode 22 with uh, some recaps of some games that have already happened this season. And then after that, we're going to go into some previews of some matches that are going to happen within the next couple of weeks. Did you know Average Joe's is the place where Steve the Pirate gets all his game recaps from? Yeah, Joe's be the only place for Steve. All right, the first match of the season was uh, DePaul at Moody Bible. They played at the Solheim Center at Moody's campus, which is, from what I've heard, a very nice gym. I've never been there. But um, DePaul was up 2 nothing at the half, ended up holding up 3-1 to one in a very exciting match, from what I've heard from the DePaul players and the Moody people that have talked about it. Um, I was a little surprised by that, weren't you? I, I Coming into it, I definitely did pick Moody to win. I, I remember from last year at Nationals they had – they had some players who who had pretty good arms, and I felt like they were they were uh, coming into their own a little bit and and doing a, a little bit better job of competing. But uh, this was a small step back for them. But you know, first game of the season, most teams' first game of the season aren't gonna blow anyone out of the out of the water. Most teams aren't gonna be at their peak. Uh, I know MSU wasn't at their peak first game of the season, so uh, definitely look for Moody to to bounce back. This is this is a a loss that that surprised several people throughout Dodgeball Nation, including myself. But I would definitely think that coming, you know, things like this, the MSU invite or, or uh, the CDO, I think that they're going to be, they're going to be, they're going to bounce back and they're going to have a lot more of, uh, of a say of what's going to go down in this league. I also think that maybe possibly we could have underrated DePaul. Like yes. DePaul has always been a good team if they played seriously and maybe they came out and they just wanted it more or they played serious, but I don't know, Paul lost a couple of their good players from last year, but they're still a decent team, good team. Um, so while the most of the league predicted that Moody would be the best school in the West region, maybe it really is DePaul this year. Um, and I, I do remember that DePaul had some people who were very athletic and were very good catchers. So maybe I would, my mistake was uh, overrating Moody's throwers and underrating their catchers because, you know, obviously we know that one thing that can get a team back in a game is a clutch catch that you know with a, with the two man swing. So maybe uh, I don't remember all of who DePaul lost, but I think that a lot of the a lot of the people that they kept were were pretty talented catchers. And I mean, as a catcher myself, I think catching is a great neutralizer. So um, next up, the second match of the season was West Kentucky uh, playing University of Kentucky. Um, Kentucky won four to nothing, which is. Pretty good, yeah, pretty good for Kentucky, yeah. uh, especially considering West Kentucky is a very good team. I know they lost last year first round at Nationals, but that's kind of more because of the way the standings worked out. Like right. they got they played, played uh, Michigan State first round, and we were a tough team last year, and kind of unfair for West Kentucky just the way that the bracket worked out and right. stuff. But um, let us let us also preface this conversation by saying that uh, giving an update, and according to Zach Brown, the captain of Kentucky. Uh, Jeffrey DeWitt, the the player who uh, ended up landing on his head after pulling off a pretty slick move uh, that was almost a, a, a clean dodge as well. Uh, he actually landed on his head uh, and got knocked out cold, unfortunately. But uh, I saw and I talked to Zach Brown at the OSU invite, and he said that he's been doing well. He actually told me that they were selling the rights of the video to MTV's Ridiculousness. And he said that that was going to help um, help pay for some hospital bills and pay for some for some things that came of that. But uh, the video is online. I've watched it a couple of times. I've shown it to my friends and saying this 
this is what happens when you know people compete and they put their bodies out on the line and thankfully he's okay and and they got the win to boot so I think he's a pretty happy guy right now thankfully his head's in one piece and we'll talk about Kentucky a little bit more later but let's talk about Western Kentucky for a little bit um they still have Alex Sorrells who's also known as Big Bird got a good arm they saw Felix who's who's got a great arm one of the best players in West Kentucky history do you think they have a chance this year well I know that I looked at their schedule they're not playing very many games again most of the games against Kentucky with Louisville being in limbo right now whether they're going to have a team they could be in the same boat they were last year this could be a very good team again like last year but they could also you know not not have a great finish at Nationals just because of the way the standings work. Well, you know, I think that the fact that they're going to be playing Kentucky a lot, I think the proximity to them, um, I think that gives them an opportunity to really show what they're made of. Kentucky, when we played them, they were a team that had a lot of ball possession. You know, they didn't – they very rarely had less than six balls. And I think that playing that sort of style against – Having that sort of style played against you, I think you sort of learn from it and you grow from it. And as a team, if you know a majority of their games are going to be played against Kentucky, I mean, that's one of the top three teams in the nation, possibly the best team in the nation right now. So I think you can only get better and you can only determine what strategies are going to work for you by playing the same opponent over and over. So I definitely think that their schedule is going to, even though there might not be as many games, I think that it's definitely going to benefit them in the long run seeing how everything's going to play out with a top team like Kentucky. I agree. And I also think that Kentucky is just a bad match for West Kentucky. Um, West Kentucky is more of also a slow-down ball possession team. And if Kentucky can get the balls, West Kentucky can't really do much um, with the ball possession which is going to hurt them a lot too. So Well, and the thing that, that really benefited Kentucky was <clears throat> the way they played ball possession was they were able to, to you know, load the howitzer in, in Wes, uh, number 68 for the tournament. Uh, and he – the general rule of thumb in, in this league is don't throw alone. That's what we preach to our rookies. We preach to our veterans. Do not throw alone. And they were able to hold on to five balls – and ha- take the sixth ball and give it to Wes and have him just pick people off one by one. So it's extremely hard to to gain ball possession to to play your kind of game when you're only getting one ball thrown at you at 80 miles an hour. And you know team throws are essentially you know if they hit the net or if they hit, you know the the balls come back, it's 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 not gonna it's not it's not conducive to to playing that style if if all they have to do is just give it to one guy, and just destroy everybody one by one. Having said that, I think that they will learn from everything that happened that in that tournament, and I would be surprised if they were going to drop another match against Kentucky for nothing. I think that they will bounce back, and at least for the next match, they, I don't know when the next match they have against them is, I think that it will at least be closer, if not an upset. I agree. Uh, I think it'd be more along the lines of a three to two or two to one match. Right, exactly. Um, let's move on now to Kent State and Ohio State, who played their first match of the season, um, the same day as Kentucky and Western Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kent State was able to pull out the two to one victory after Ohio State won the first point. Kent State was able to storm back, take the last two. Um, we'll talk more about them after the Ohio State invite, though. So, yeah. uh, the other tournament other than the Ohio State invite that's been played so far is the Towson Throwdown. Now that was Towson, Maryland, and James Madison. James Madison went two and zero. Maryland went one and one, and Towson went zero and two. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I wasn't surprised to see James Madison come out ahead. You know, they took us down at nationals last year in the first day. They 
they don't have as many power arms as a team, as, a, as some of the dominant teams like Kentucky or like Grand Valley, but they played together, especially for a newer team in the league, they played together extremely well, and that's just something that most teams take time. I don't know how often, I mean, they, they must practice, you know, more than twice a week because they had team cohesion that most teams don't have after, you know, two years together, but, and especially being a newer team, to have that kind of, of camaraderie in your team to work together and, and cover, I mean, they were phenomenal at covering their teammates when we played them, they were phenomenal at, at blocking, um, they were always countering if, you know, if their teammate got picked off, the guy who threw the ball that picked off their teammate, you know, he was seeing two or three balls thrown at him every time. So you could definitely tell that that they put a high emphasis on teamwork, and it definitely didn't surprise me that they were two and zero. I actually predicted this outcome: the the two and zero, one and one, and zero and two, just because Towson, you know, they're they're on their way, but Maryland and James Madison have had a little bit more experience, and they uh, and. In most cases, James Madison being the exception, experience is the thing that they really keeps you alive. I agree. Um, honestly, I don't know very much about Maryland or Towson. They weren't at Nationals last year. We haven't played them in a match yet. Uh, I'd love to go to the Beast this year, but I don't think we have the funds to be able to do that, to see those two teams. So if you're from Maryland or Towson, get some videos on YouTube or write something on the, <laughs> on the website or hit me up with something because I want to hear about you guys because you guys are two cool schools, especially Maryland, um, being a big school and all, but um Towson's cool school too uh I want to hear what you guys are up to so um in the last tournament so far OSU OSU round robin uh pretty big tournament um it was Michigan State Ohio State Kent State Kentucky and Saginaw Valley you're gonna have five teams that made the lead eight last year that's pretty good pretty good, good tournament yeah. yeah so the results were Kentucky went three and oh Michigan State went three and one Saginaw Valley went one two and one with the overtime loss or no, one and two with an overtime loss, yeah. and then Ohio State went zero four, and Kent State went two and two. Now, Kentucky clearly the best team that was there this yes, weekend. Agreed. And they they the reason they only went three and zero was because of gym time restrictions. They would have gotten their fourth game in had they um, had they been able to to keep the gym for a little bit longer. But dodgeball is notorious for going over. On their time, so we unfortunately were were a little squeezed, so we weren't able to get that last game in. But I would predict that they would have gone four and zero, but three and zero is what it was. Um, and I think a lot of people have been underrating Kentucky yes, the last definitely. year, or so last year and a half. Um, a lot of people just say, "Oh, it's West Cop- West Hopkins, nobody else." Yeah, he's the bar of the month right now. That's that's just a fact. There's also a lot more power throwers on that team. More than I expected. Definitely. Yeah, um, we haven't played them since my freshman year, two thousand eight. I don't know, I'm old, but um, they were not this good. And they came to our tournament in the MSU invite in 2010, and they were not that good either. They just had West at that point, and other than that, they had a couple other guys with power arms, they kind of like a sneak attack team. Mm-hmm. Now they just go out there and they gun you down. Like, they still have a couple players that are like sideline assassins, or like hide in the corner, right. take a cross, you know. But this is a team that can beat you um, anyway. Like, they didn't have the catchers this weekend. I don't know if they were just missing catchers or what, but this is a team with a lot of power arms. They play really smart. They play fast. They get you when they got to get you. Like, this is a team that can beat you. Well, a majority of the time that when we played them, we were on our own baseline. So it was it was just frustrating because uh, 
there were the first point that we played against them, uh, Wes Hopkins was out within a minute. And, you know, they still were able to take us down and with, you know, arguably their best player out. And, and it's, it's interesting because, you know, a lot, of, a lot of teams were missing some players. MSU was missing some players. Saginaw Valley was missing some players. And Kent was missing a couple players, especially a, a few that had just graduated. But keep in mind that Kentucky was not at full strength either. Uh, Zach Brown was uh, sitting on the sideline for um, a majority of the, of the tournament because he recently got a concussion, and obviously dodgeball and concussions don't particularly mix. Uh, and Jeffrey DeWitt, uh, the the player that we mentioned before, was not playing for obvious reasons. So they were not at full strength, and they still looked very good. They did, again, they did the, the, the domination to perfection. They stayed at the line. They threw a ball, and if it either it hit somebody or it bounced off the wall and it went right back to them, I mean, they did not have to – they did not have to exert themselves in any way that they didn't want to. They completely dictated the way everything went. And as an opponent, it was extremely frustrating, but I'm sure for them it was extremely rewarding. And then we'll talk about Michigan State next. They, they have the second best record out of the turn. They went 3-1. and one. Mm-hmm. Um, what's, We were down, uh, what, six varsity players? Yeah, six, yeah. Six, six varsity players, and we had seven rookies. So what did you think of our performance? I thought that we definitely had some rookies that, that stepped up. Um, again, it's it's going to take time. Uh, this is not a sport that you can pick up and, and just do. Uh, for their first match, they did very well, but I think that there's definitely room for improvement, not with just the rookies but the veterans as well. So I'm optimistic. I was also very uh, glad to see us uh, take down our rivals in Saginaw Valley. Uh, that was something that we hadn't done since my freshman year at the MS- or I'm sorry, the Michigan Dodgeball Cup. Um, so that was two years ago now. So I was I was pleased to see that they were they were responding well to teamwork. You know, a lot of the captains were able to to dictate what they wanted done, and people weren't trying to play hero. People weren't trying to go out and just sling the ball and try and hit somebody in the face. They they passed their ball off to, to our our big power throwers when they needed to. They made clutch catches. They made great blocks. They they definitely did well, but I'm optimistic to see what they're going to do in the future. Yeah, as captain on the team, I thought going into it, we were looking at like a 2-2 two and two record, to be honest. Um, I thought we would lose to Kentucky and that we might lose to either one of the other schools. I don't know which one, but um, – but the fact that we went three and one, and that we, yeah, we lost by Kentucky, but the points are kind of close, even though we lost four to nothing. But the fact that we dominated the other teams made me feel a lot really optimistic that um, we have a good chance this year. Maybe not winning a championship. Uh, hopefully, we can do it. But um, definitely, Final Four berth is uh, possible for Michigan State this year. Um, I would say that we have established ourselves as maybe top five team in the country, top sixteen in the country this weekend. Some, somewhere around there. Uh, def- I mean, again, it's a little early to tell. Um, especially, I mean, Kentucky with the amount of matches that they've gotten in, I think right now is definitely the number one. Uh, Grand Valley, I don't think has played any matches yet. And yeah. They're also some some a team that that you definitely need to look at before um, determining a clear cut number one. It's it's once more games have been played and once you can really evaluate the talent pool a little bit more, I think it'll be a lot easier to say. But I think that. I hope that MSU is in the discussion for top five, um, but I'm, I'm reserving judgment until until more games are played. Yeah, I was just talking about, like, right now. But okay. yeah. Right, right yeah. now, I, th- yeah. I think with our performance at the OSU invite, I think that's definitely um, reasonable to say, but you've got to watch out for Grand Valley. Yeah. 
I think part of it is that we got our swagger back. Like, after a disappointing showing last year at MDC, disappointing showing at Nationals, I think we're playing pretty well now. So, um, Kent State, they went 2-2. Two and two. Mm-hmm. I thought slightly disappointing result for them because they did put up a point in Kentucky. I think they lost 3-1 to Kentucky. Were they the only team to put up a point? They were the only team to put up a point in Kentucky. Okay. Which also says something about both teams. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. And they lost 3 nothing to us. But the points weren't really that close. They're, I think it's like one point that was pretty close. They went to overtime against Saginaw, mm-hmm. and they won that game. But that was a depleted Saginaw roster, Correct. and they beat Ohio State. I thought this was going to be Kent State's coming out party, to be honest. I thought this was going to be the tournament that they had a chance of winning. Um, their first tournament with a couple of Michigan schools that were that have historically been good teams. First tournament with the defending national champion, or defending national runner-up, and the defending national champion, I guess. And their their rival Ohio State, mm-hmm. they were good. They were a good team, but they weren't as great as I think I thought they were going to be. Maybe I was just overrating them a little bit, but mm-hmm. maybe I still think they're going to be number one team at the end of the season, just because of how many games they're playing. They will. Um, they'll be the number one seed going into nationals, uh, but maybe they're not championship material yet. Maybe they're a year away. But what do you think? Uh, first of all, I think. I don't remember, but did they say that their goal is 35 games this year? Yeah, the goal is, I think, 35 or 40 games this yeah, year. That's insane, and I hope their arms are still intact after the season because after last weekend I could barely lift my arm above my head. So credit uh, Kent State for really really exerting themselves and putting putting out you know 35 games possibly. Um, I think the one thing about Kent State was they're normally a very sound defensive team. They're not going to catch everything that comes their way, but they've still got a few guys who, who who are pretty good catchers, and most of all, their blocking is normally fantastic. Especially, uh, I can think of two guys in particular. I don't remember their names. Machine Gun and Cameron. Uh, that sounds about right. Yeah, those two guys can block anything. Yeah, so, and I think that when we play them at least, I think that we got them on the run a little bit more than they were comfortable with, and a lot of their blocking, I mean, we took out Machine Gun, uh, with a good amount of time left in the point, you know, maybe 10 people left in the point. And, I mean, he defends very, very well for his teammates. And that, I mean, it's kind of the, the unsung hero of, of dodgeball is blocking because obviously, you know, team throws and team catches and things like that are going to come from having your teammates on the court. And he does a fantastic job keeping his team on the court. And he had a pretty good game, but... There are a couple of the other people who aren't as elite blockers and elite catchers. They had an off day, and they weren't able to, to put up the, the type of results that they did against you know, quality opponents last year because they, they beat some quality opponents last year. And I think that, that it was an off day. I, think that I agree with that a lot. I, I think that this isn't going to be something that you should expect from Kent State. I think you should expect them to be much more competitive than they were. Um, and again, more games against more opponents, a more variety of opponents against people who slow it down, like Ohio State or someone who speeds up a lot. I think that I think that it's going to be very interesting to keep an eye on. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with your point that they had an off day. I was talking to Dan Shackelford, who's their captain, and he said, "I'm just off today." Uh, he was he's throwing hard, but it wasn't very accurate, um, and that just happens to the best of us some days. Even people that throw weak, like me. Um, We'll have an off day where we're throwing and I can't hit it, can't hit anything. And uh, when you're relying so much on him and Camden Fulmer, who also didn't have a fantastic day either from what I saw, um, 
you know, when that's the majority of your offense, it's hard to get kills that way when your two best players are uh, not throwing as well as they usually do. So hopefully for their sake, they can turn it around. Um, I think they play pretty soon, so we'll preview that, and they have a good chance this weekend with the tournament they're playing. Yeah. So um, Also, uh, they pulled off – I mean, we got to see the the new overtime rules uh, in action for the first time this past uh, this past weekend. Uh, it was Saginaw Valley and Kent State in overtime. It was the six v six um, with seven balls, I believe it is, and no time limit. And uh, it ended up coming down to basically a shoelace catch by a Kent State player. I actually didn't see the the uh, catch itself. Um, my view was blocked, but I heard that it was, you know, an inch off the ground maybe. It was just a fantastic catch and really showed what Kent State can do um, when they when they have a, a good day. And, again, Saginaw did have a depleted roster, which, you know, which unfortunately that happens sometimes. But credit Kent State because they still weren't an easy team. And – meaning Saginaw wasn't an easy team, and they still got it together and came o- overcame a couple of really huge team catches by Saginaw in overtime. Within like 10 seconds yeah, of each other, too. Two or three team catches within 10 seconds of each other to basically put Saginaw back at full strength, and they still overcame all of that. And I think they did a great job. Yeah, Saginaw Valley really impressed me this weekend. I know we beat them 5 nothing. Mm-hmm. Um It was the lo- most lopsided game <laughs> in our rivalry since probably my freshman year uh, when they would beat us like 12 to nothing. Um, but it was, a, they were, they're a competitive team and considering that they were down a lot of their good players and how many people they lost from last year to get a win and to force overtime with Kent State, great, great showing by them. Um, I'm not going to take a whole lot into the fact that they lost five nothing against us. Uh, not going to take a whole lot into the fact that they probably would have lost to Kentucky, no offense, second of Valley. Um, because, you know. They were they had a good showing this weekend, I thought, and we'll see more from them this weekend, and maybe they'll have a full roster. And uh, um, sorry, Mike Van Erman's phone just went off, so uh, we'll st- we'll talk more about them later. But what did you think of Santa Valley this weekend? It was it was interesting because when I was uh, when we were playing them, it was MSU versus Saginaw Valley, and uh, a Kent State player was on the sideline. Uh, I think they were refing. Um, their team was refing, so a lot of them were able to just sit and watch the game. And one of them made the comment to me that they'd never seen um, Saginaw Valley this far out of their comfort zone. They were definitely not where they normally are this past weekend. Um, I think a lot of that uh, was the absence of, of Spencer. You know, he's got a great arm. He can catch very well. But but something that he does also very well is he dictates what he wants his team to do very well. And they did a little bit of that this weekend. Um but nowhere near as, as organized as they are under Spencer. Um, Phelps, number two, uh, he, he did a really good job this weekend. He, I, I thought he was a very talented player, and I think that you know, he had some, some very good points against, uh, against us and Kent State. Uh, he was actually one of their overtime selections uh, against Kent State, so I think that he's definitely someone who can take them uh, as far as they can go. Uh, but, I mean, you can't really replace Spencer for the most part. Uh, he both physically and <clears throat> strategically. So I was I agreed with the fact that they were very far out of their comfort zone. They got sped up way too easily um this past weekend. They, you know, they're normally a pretty slow team and they uh they didn't play to their potential. I I believe that this weekend. I also think that kind of like what happens with Grand Valley, um 
Saginaw Valley is one of those teams that last year a lot of teams were afraid of them, to be honest. Like, there's a lot of players on the team that are scary. Like, Jason Stein, don't throw him. He catches everything. Spencer Jardine, don't throw him. He catches stuff. Watch out for Spencer Jardine's arm. He's got a cannon. Elliott has a cannon. Brett Retrager has a cannon. Um, now this year, this weekend, it was like, well, don't throw a Tory because he catches everything. But other than that, other than, yeah, everything. Like, literally everything. One of the best catches in the league. That's what you are, Tory. Um, but other than that, they were, like, kind of down, you know. They had some power arms, and nobody that was, like, wow, if this guy hits me in the face, I might not wake up. <laughs> but um, so hopefully they can get those guys back because I, I'd i love for them to be really good again this year because playing Saginaw at their best is one of my favorite teams to play in the league. So Absolutely. And they had, you know, a lot of their rookies. Um, they did bring several rookies, and obviously nobody in the league knew, knew them. And they, their rookies, they they played. They weren't a hindrance to the team by any means, but they didn't come out with the big kill when it's three on three, you know. Or he, they didn't come out with a big killer catch to put the other team on a, a ten clock, for the most part. So I think that when they get their feet wet a little bit more, just like most rookies, I think that they will. I think they've done a pretty good job of recruiting. They've got some raw talent on their team. They just need to get a little bit more experience and a little bit more work in. Yeah, I agree with that. And then lastly, for the, the OSU under Robin was Ohio State. Um, unfortunately, not a great showing at their home tournament. Uh, we've had that before at the Michigan Dodgeball Cup. <laughs> but um, I guess they played a lot of rookies. Uh, there, there's a lot of players on the team I didn't recognize. They still had Jared Matthews, who's one of the best throwers in the league. They still had uh, Norton, who's a good thrower. Um, Ryan Carlton, who's their captain. Judah Depart, who's their captain. But um, – just not the typical Ohio State showing. Um, more power arm than catching. They caught yeah. a few balls, uh, especially in our match. Our first point, we were we were trailing them in the first oh, we first point. Um, just because they were catching everything. But after that, they're more of a power throwing team, which, you know, you haven't seen that from Ohio State since before I was in the league, at least. So, Yeah, uh, there was one player who was wearing very colorful shorts who I was very uh, surprised that he – he actually popped a ball on my back, which didn't feel too good. But I would agree with with you. They definitely have um, they definitely have a lot of a lot more power arms in the, than they have in the past. And they they normally their bread and butter was was catching. And you know, in my opinion, catches are the most important part of the game. You know, obviously a two man swing. So it's it's that's why they were pretty good in the past. But I think that they got away from that a little bit. I think that. Uh, they can still they can still slow it down and uh, speed it up with their power arms, but I don't really I don't really know what their identity is at the moment just because of of the way they played. And honestly, I don't know if they know what their identity is either. They were kind of like at times they'd play slow against teams when I was watching them. Um, at times they try to play fast. I don't know if that was just because they got sped up by uh, the the teams that they played or if they just were trying to play fast, but. They need to figure out what they want to do this year, and maybe then they'll have a good season. Don't you agree? I, I agree. I Again, one tournament, if we based the way we – I mean, if we based our analysis of, let's say, Michigan State last year on the Michigan Dodgeball Cup, you'd think we were the worst team in the league. So one tournament will not make um, – one tournament will not make or break their season. It wasn't a good start. Uh, morale is obviously very important, and I think that the, a couple of their players were a little – annoyed with the way that they themselves had performed. So, honestly, 
I would be very surprised if they were down for much longer. No, I agree. Uh, they may be 0-5 right now, but I wouldn't be surprised if they end up 6-8 six and, six and eight at one point this season. So. Oh, yeah. I, I think that's even a little bit too conservative. I think that if they get the number of games that they – that you know, if they got the number of games that Kent got in, let's say they had thirty games, I think that they could go, you know, twenty and ten, eighteen and twelve, something like that. I think that they could they could definitely make that kind of a run. And now your game time preview. Well, at least that wasn't weird. All right, so let's talk about a few of those tournaments that are coming up. Um, we'll start off with the Boyne Green State University invite. Going to that tournament is Bowling Green, obviously, Miami of Ohio, Central Michigan, Saginaw Valley, and Grand Valley. Uh, Bowling Green is the host school. They typically do play a little better at home from the few times I've played there. I think we've played there three times in my career. Um, they do play a little better, I think. Uh, they still have Brady Etzler, who's one of the best players for their team. Uh, he's got a cannon arm. Other than that, they got a few other guys that are like power throwers, but not like super hard throwers, and they have some catchers. Um what do you think about Bowling Green? I think that they're one of those teams that they're they're one of those those spoiler teams at right at this point right now. I think that they're they're talented enough where you can't just say okay this is going to be an easy game because it, it it's not an easy game. But I personally would be surprised if they were you know force in nationals towards the end of day two of nationals i think that they're one of those teams that can really that can it's a, a trap game to take a term from professional sports uh people may say oh well you know they haven't won against you know an elite team in this amount of years but that that doesn't really make it the fact that they can't beat you i just think that they they're still a team you need to take seriously but I don't think that towards the end of the season they're going to be a team that, that we're all going to be talking about as a winner or anything like that. Well, they, uh, I feel like every time we play Bowling Green, they take the first point from us. I don't know if that's yeah, just that's me. True. But they're definitely a team that can beat anybody in this league, I think. Um, I don't know if they can pull together a three- or four-game winning streak against good teams, but they can definitely beat – You know, they could take Grand Valley this weekend if Grand Valley goes lazy or they – Get too cocky, or if Boyne Green just plays out of their minds, they can be definitely beat them. Um, Miami's also going. Uh, Miami is probably the weakest team going on this weekend. No offense, Miami, but um, but they were competitive last year at nationals. They uh, they went th- they lost three to two against um, Wisconsin Platteville, three to two against James Madison, and three to two against Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Now Wisconsin Platteville is a good team, I think. Um, they just don't get enough matches in. Uh, but James Madison, Michigan State, two of the best teams. So um, for them to be competing with them is pretty good. What do you think about them? I remember, if if I remember correctly, didn't they have a few injuries um, towards the end of day one of nationals? So we we didn't get the best uh, the best look at their full roster, uh, just because I think I remember at least one guy going down with an ankle or a knee injury or something like that. And I I remember he was a pretty significant significant player if I'm correct um he uh or I'm sorry Miami they they need to get more matches in and I think that they if they do a good job recruiting I think they can be you know 
in the same boat as BGSU, in my opinion, that they're a team that people need to take 100% seriously. And if they don't, if they only, you know, go 50%, 75%, they'll take you down or at least they'll embarrass you. And they're, they just need to, to keep on a little bit. They need to stay healthy, that's for sure. And I think that, that they're they're close to the level of BGSU, um, but I at this point I would rank BGSU ahead of them. Yeah, definitely. Um Central Michigan. Nobody knows. Who nobody knows? nobody knows anything about Central Michigan at this point. We know that Bryce is back. We know Brett Hadwin's back. We know Wes Peters is back. That's those are the only three people on the team that I know are still there. And we play them at least two or three times a year. Uh, Pat Fisher might be back. Uh, nobody knows. I, I think he's graduating in the winter though, so we don't know if he'll be playing this fall. But um, Eric Sweet is gone. I know that for a fact. But other than that, like. Who on Central is still around? That's the thing that people need to figure out. Those are all very talented players and and players that would play in a top spot on any other team in this league. But we all know that depth is so important in this game that that if you only have four guys and the rest of them are you know and I, and this isn't a personal attack on the recruits of CMU because obviously I have no idea. But I mean, if they just get placeholders and and to stand there and be bodies on the court so they can play, they're not going to be able to take four guys and and just run through everybody. I mean, a, a team throw, a, a well placed team throw, a, a catch, uh, you know, an off throw from one of their top players will take them out. And then what would they have? I I'm very very interested. I hope there's footage from tomorrow because I'm very very interested. In seeing how CMU is gonna is gonna play, I know that their their top players like uh, Bryce and Pat, they're they're very talented and top five players in the league in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. Um, this could be like a situation with the Miami Heat. Like maybe I'm not saying that Bryce. <laughs> I'm not saying Bryce is LeBron or anything, but maybe this is a team that you know if they can get enough talent around them that they can win a championship. Maybe this is a team that you know. Maybe it's like the two thousand what eleven team that. Two years ago, they won the whole thing. Last year, they won the whole thing. No. Oh, I'm talking. The, I'm talking about the Heat right now, not oh, not okay. the Central I was Michigan. About to say. I'm saying, you know, they got three really good players that we know are on the team. You know, Bryce is LeBron. You were just trying Brett to is so many heads <laughs> right now. You were just Brett. Brett is Dwayne Wade. Wes is Chris Bosh. Okay. No offense, Wes, but. <laughs> you look like a dinosaur. Chris, Chris Bosch is, is important. Chris Bosch is important to that team, kind of. <laughs> so you know, maybe this is a team that can take that talent and go for a run, or maybe it's a team that's gonna just kind of fall apart. Fall like, apart, and like you know, some of the teams that have you know, w- without leadership to to really recruit people, like like Eric Sweet did a good job of recruiting people. You know, without. If those people aren't back, or if or if they're next year, even if Bryce and Pat aren't there again, then their team might not either be competitive at all, or not, might not be there. They just need to make sure that they have people from year to year who are gonna who are gonna go out and recruit people and really say, "Come to practice, let's go." And apparently, we're the Miami Heat, so <laughs> apparently, we need to win a championship now. Basically, what I'm saying is that I reserve all right of judgment against Central Michigan until after they play in both the Bowling Green tournament and the MSU invite. Um, until then, I don't think we're going to know anything about Central. Unless we can get some footage from tomorrow. Anyone who uh, anyone who's going to be there, please bring your video cameras. I would love to see it. Yeah, too bad these people probably aren't going to hear this until after the tournament. I don't, tell them, I don't care. All right, so Saginaw Valley. We've already talked about them. Yes, we have. Spencer may be back this weekend, hopefully. hopefully. Um, 
if he's not, do you think Saginaw Valley has a chance to pick up a couple wins? Uh, of course. I mean, Saginaw Valley isn't a one – again, it's not a one-man show. Like I just said, it takes – you can't just have two or three guys and then placeholders. You need to have people working as a team. You need to have team cohesion. And they have that, but it it helps a lot when you have that kind of team cohesion as well as people like Spencer, people like uh, Eric Sweet or Pat or Bryce. It helps when you have the power arms and the, and the fantastic catchers that have that team cohesion. And right now, Saginaw has a few power arms that, that can get some, get some good kills, but with Spencer back, you know, the, the best player on the team is now the second best player on the team, and that obviously just adds more depth and, and more depth and more team cohesion and more, more direction on their team can never be a bad thing. I agree. Um, now, I think even without Spencer, Saginaw Valley, if they were to play Central, Miami, and Bowling Green, they could get three wins. I think they could easily get three wins. Yeah. Uh, that's without knowing how good Central is, of course. Yes. They're the, they're the, wild, they're the mystery box yeah. at this point. But um, they can still get three wins. Now, if they have Spencer back, you look on a team that could get four wins. Well, I mean, again, this is – I haven't seen GVSU, Grand Valley, play at all. But knowing what they have back, I would be surprised if Grand Valley dropped a game this coming weekend. Um, they they still have unrivaled team chemistry. They have unrivaled teamwork. And, again, they're that team with really good teamwork and really good physical, physical talent. So I think that even with, um, with Spencer, I think that – GVSU would still be able to edge any of those teams out. Um, I would actually be pretty surprised if Grand Valley were were to drop one this weekend. What if I told you Grand Valley might be down a few varsity players and they'd be playing some rookies to people that normally don't get a shot on varsity? Well, the thing that has frustrated me beyond belief with that with Grand Valley is that at the CDO they brought like seven rookies, and I don't know what I don't know if they're running like boot camp in practice and they just torture these poor kids, but they knew what they were doing when they came to the CDO last year. They brought like like eight rookies that that uh, that tournament, and they still beat us. I think they beat us four to nothing, and they their their top players are fantastic players physically. And they're very good leaders, and they give direction well. And apparently, there's some dodgeball breeder at GVSU somewhere that makes these these freshmen not afraid of people like Wes Hopkins. Well, I think too. Like we played at Grand Valley last year, Michigan State played at Grand Valley last year, and we brought like a half varsity, half junior varsity team, and we lost to the varsity team seven one. Then we played the JV team, who was all junior varsity players. We only beat them two to one. Grand Valley's JV team could probably beat half the teams in the league. Yeah. Um, so when I say, hey, what if I tell you that Grand Valley's going to be down much players? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. They are still really good. I remember my freshman year nationals, their JV team was like the third best team there. So <laughs> um, we'll move on now to the Maryland tournament. Uh, at this tournament is Maryland, Virginia Commonwealth, who's playing their first tournament, which I think is pretty cool. Good luck, Shadid. Um, James Madison, Kentucky, Kent State, and Towson. We'll start with Kentucky again. Um, Kentucky is going to be down to a different lineup from what Zach Brown told me. Okay. He, he told me that they're going to be bringing a completely different lineup from the Ohio State round lineup. Which was a good lineup. Which is a really good lineup. Which can tell me one of two things. Either they have more depth than Grand Valley does, which means they're probably the best team in the country. 
Or maybe he's just getting experience for some new players, and maybe they're not going to go undefeated this weekend, but they'll still pick a couple Ws. Which, which could be potentially more valuable than going undefeated is getting deeper because, you know, if a guy can't go to a tournament, if a guy's arm is killing him, you know, bringing in a guy who can do the same thing is invaluable. Yeah, definitely. Um, Maryland. We talked about them earlier. We don't know anything about Maryland. Correct. Good luck, Maryland. Good luck, Maryland. But, but get to us. Chris Via or Via, I don't know how you say your last name. Tell me, tell me some stuff about your school, so I can talk to you a little bit. Send us some, send us some videos, videotapes. Video, Dodgeball yeah. Related. YouTube is the best thing for dodgeball right now. Same with Towson. We don't know anything about Towson. Um, I don't know your captain's name. I'm sorry. I think it's Seth, maybe. Close. Enough. Close. I don't know. I, I have no idea. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Towson. <laughs> sorry, Towson. Um, Virginia Commonwealth. First game of the season. They got a hard schedule. I mean, Penn State and JMU and UK alone are, you know, top-tier programs. And Towson and Maryland have, have played games before. So it's going to be a tough road. They, uh, that's uh, Their captain is Shadid Drakeford. Shadid Drakeford. And he's been all over the forums asking advice. So, I mean, I think that he's got a good idea of what they need to do. And – I'm rooting for them this weekend. I think that it would be a great story for them to come in and at least take one or two games. Um, that being said, I would be insanely surprised if a first-year team that was playing their first match ever would be able to take down someone like UK or Kent State. Yeah, when you said it would be good for them to take a few games, in my mind, I think it would good for them to just take a few points. Yeah. Like, you know, if they come out here, you know, maybe with like one win and a few points – you know, that's a that's a good start of, of a possible good team. Um, it's also very rewarding for those rookies to to get that win because this is this is kind of uncharted territory for them right now. Uh, so they're gonna go into this thinking, okay, it's gonna be like it is in practice. You know, because our rookies they went to Ohio State thinking, oh, it's gonna be like it is in practice, and it's way more intense. It's way more. You know, there's a lot more on the line. You know. People are a lot more enthusiastic about it, so I think that it's it, that getting a win versus a team like Maryland or Towson that I know nothing about. Um, I think getting a win against those teams would do wonders for their team morale, and you know they'd just be happy. Definitely, um, James Madison, favorite for the tournament, or is Kentucky the favorite? Kentucky, in my opinion, even with um, as long as they bring uh, uh, their top six players. I think that they have such good leadership that they still will be directive and they still – I mean, Zach Brown was directing traffic from the sideline when he wasn't refing. I mean, he doesn't have to be playing in order for them to be good. I mean, as long as they have the physical talent, like people like Wes, um, who hit me in the face and the nuts this past weekend, I would just like to point out, thanks a lot, Wes. Um, as long as they bring physical talent like Wes and, and the strategic uh, aspects like in Zach, I feel like – they will not drop a game this weekend. I, maybe maybe a few points, but I, I would be surprised if they they dropped I, if they dropped a game this weekend. I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say James Madison is gonna be the best team this weekend. Um, they really really impressed me this year uh, or this past season at nationals. Um, I thought going into that they'd be a good team. I think the rest of our team kind of just like oh, they're a non-Michigan team. We can beat them, and they beat us. Uh, and they only lost two players from the team last year. They got a whole new group of rookies that are supposedly really good. Um, this is a team that could go 3-0, 4-0 this weekend. 
move ahead of Kentucky in the standings to number one in the country. Um, keep playing some more games, and you know, they're, Kent State is still probably gonna be number one in the standings, just the way the standings work. But James Madison could end up number one in the RPI, which we might talk about later. Might say that for another podcast. This yeah, is just a tease. Um, <laughs> but James Madison's. I think they got a chance to win the tournament this weekend. Um, other than that, we have Kent State, who... I mean, it'll be it'll definitely be a tough road for Kent State. Two quality teams and a few more uh, sleeper teams uh, in Towson and Maryland and VCU. But I think that their, their real difficulty is going to be with Kentucky, uh, just because I feel like most teams would struggle with the fact that they can hold five balls and throw one and still get a lot of people out. Um, especially because they are a very defensive team. They can't play defense with only three balls. It, it's just they can't stack six people behind every ball. So a defensive-minded team like Kent, I think, would have a very hard time with them. Not No disrespect to Kent. I, I still think they're a quality opponent. I just think that the way that UK goes about their business and the way they are able to pick people off one by one with only one arm throwing at a time it's not conducive for Kent State to play the type of defense that they're accustomed to playing. Yeah, definitely. So our final tournament that we'll talk about, and there's still a match after that, but our final tournament we're going to talk about is the MSU Invite. Uh, it's November 4th. The pools are as follows. Um, in Pool A, it's Michigan State University, Bowling Green State University, and DePaul. And then in Pool B is Central Michigan, Kent State, and Moody Bible Institute. Uh, we'll talk about Pool A first, and we'll talk about Michigan State because we're the host school, so why not? Um, we'll have more of our varsity players back if they can make the roster because um, a lot of the rookies impressed me. Uh, Bowling Green has given us troubles over the past. Yeah. DePaul, we usually beat them, but they can score a point on us. Do you think we're the favorites for this tournament? Well, I think we we would be the favorite for a pool, especially – um, just because historically we, even though we have dropped the first point against Bowling Green, I feel like that the way we played against teams like Saginaw and Kent, I feel like if we can duplicate that uh, in a couple of weeks, I feel like that a team like Bowling Green, I don't know if they would be able to to keep up with that just because I feel like we played very soundly. We didn't blow anyone out of the water. We just played sound dodgeball. Um, and DePaul, love you guys. I'm still gonna pick us over over you guys, unfortunately. No, no disrespect at all. So I feel like that we're definitely a, a favorite to win our pool. CMU, what's going on, guys? <laughs> I know, I know you've got got some real talent. I would love to see video. So um, I, I would like to, to to declare us the favorite. But as I don't remember who made the poster, but as that poster pointed out, we it have- was it was Bryce. Oh, okay. For the record, it's LeBron, Bryce, oh, James. Excuse me. Uh, Bryce made a poster that, that uh, was a very good point. It said that the last – it was actually on the heels of MSU football trouncing Central football, and he said – the poster said, football game got you down. Just remember, the last nine games that MSU has played against Central in dodgeball, Central has won. So if if they can duplicate anything like they have in the years past, we've historically in the last couple of years, we haven't beat them since I, I'm a junior. We haven't beat them since I've been here. I'm a fifth-year senior. Um, we haven't beat them since I've been here either. So, okay. so I mean, I, I'd love to call us the favorite, but I don't think – I mean, I don't think we can say anything to to take anything away from CMU just because they do have their top – couple of players back if they are able to to direct traffic you know like the best of them i feel like they could be the favorite 
especially for sure in their pool, they're the favorite. Um, no disrespect to Kent, but you know, I think that they or to Moody or to Moody. Um, but I would be very surprised if, if Kent were able to take down the CMU that I know, uh, if it's the CMU that I don't know, then I think it'll be a rematch between MSU and Kent in the finals. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. Um, you know, I'm not going to say I hope to play one school or another school uh, because, you know, I want I, I to play all of them. Yeah, if possible, a five-match day would be awesome. But um, that, would, that would hurt a lot, but it would be, it'd be awesome. Um, but, yeah, I would say it goes Michigan State or Central Michigan, definitely the favorites. Uh, Kent State, Bowling Green, maybe those those mid-tier teams. And then Paul Moody probably a little towards the bottom and not, like, not definitely going to be own two or own three schools. I think they, I really think this is a, the, especially the pool B bracket. I think that could be a bracket where everybody goes one and one. To be honest, like I could see Moody take out somebody. I could see Central Michigan take out somebody. I could see Kent State take out somebody. I could also see all them dropping games for no reason, just because. Um, so this is definitely a definitely anybody can win the tournament. Yeah, I. I still hold with what I said in the first couple of minutes of this podcast. I still think that I'm going to stick with my prediction, and I think that Moody could beat DePaul. Um, again, I don't know what DePaul's recruits are like, but from what I've seen in the past, there are a couple of players from Moody um, that that are are very very talented. So I would be surprised if Moody if if uh, does Moody play does Moody play anyone if they don't. Do we have like a, a consolation bracket at all, the, or is it just the final team? Uh, the way the pool works um, for the teams that are going or teams I want to know is um, there's three there's three teams in each pool. You play the two other teams in your pool, and then you play like the winner of pool A when plays the winner of pool B. Winner second place pool A plays second place pool B, and third place pool A plays third place pool B. So everybody gets guaranteed three games. Okay, so theoretically, if Moody and DePaul play each other, whether they're second place or third place in their pool. I feel like that Moody could definitely take down DePaul. Um, also, I think that Moody would have a decent shot against BGSU. If I had, you know, if you held a gun to my head and said pick one, I'd say at this point BGSU just historically. Um, but I could go either way on those. Um, I think those aren't aren't the the for sure games like like a GVSU versus a team that just started yesterday. Uh, I I would pick GVSU obviously. I I think that those are toss-up games, but <clears throat> I wouldn't be surprised either way. And I would like to see a couple of upsets because I I know that those programs have been working hard and have been really dedicated to the league, and I would like to see them have a little bit more success. I agree. Um, and lastly, the last uh, last match that we'll talk about today is uh, Grand Valley going to Saginaw Valley, the Battle <laughs> of the Valleys. Thank God I don't have to referee this one, although. I have a feeling that this side's be a little less tempered and a little less hot headed now. So you never, you never know. I mean, these are two very talented schools, and they care. So um, I think that that if you know if it goes to overtime like it did last year at nationals, and at the MDC, and at the MDC, I feel like, yeah that MDC match took like two hours. It felt like I mean that that one was. That one was intense, and those were uh, without the the new overtime rules. I remember, but I mean, it's gonna be heated. It's gonna be a, a great matchup if one team beats the other by more than two points. I'd consider myself surprised. Um, right now, I'd pick GVSU, 
winning three to one, um, just because I know how they play, and obviously they have that little machine that breeds dodgeball players that we spoke about earlier. But uh, I would pick GVSU three to one, uh, but I'd be shocked if Spencer would miss that match. I think that of anyone in the league that he would like to beat, I think it would be GVSU, and I think he would like to beat them seven to one or seven to nothing. So he'll go out there and he'll do his thing, and I think that they'll be better than what they showcase at Ohio State. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think this is actually the second battle of the Valleys this year. It will be that one because I think they play Bowling Green as well. But um, so we'll see a little bit more into how that goes there. But if you remember last year, I think Grand Valley beat Saginaw Valley like five to nothing in Bowling Green, and then they were able to beat Saginaw Valley like three to one or three to two in Saginaw. Uh, but they dropped the two games that were the most important games of Grand Valley season. They lost to Saginaw Valley in overtime at the MDC. They lost to Saginaw Valley in overtime at Nationals. This Grand Valley team wants payback from the guys that I've talked to on the team. They want to get Saginaw Valley back. That is a huge, huge, huge motivational tool. I've got a feeling that Grand Valley at the one at Bowling Green, if they win five or six to nothing, would not surprise me. Saginaw Valley could have all they're all they could have Kurt Kelly back. They could have Jim Curtis back. They could have Stein and Elliot and Bertrager and all those people back. I think Grand Valley would still beat them six nothing just because how badly they want to beat them. Um, Battle of the Valleys though, the one in Saginaw, different story. Saginaw always plays great at home. Home court advantage, huge home court advantage. Um, other than that, like you know, I can't say enough. I don't. We've never Michigan State's never beaten Saginaw Valley in. Saginaw, uh, I don't, Grand Valley's been like, it was lost to them in Saginaw before, and Grand Valley barely loses to anybody. Central loses to Saginaw and Saginaw Valley all the time. Um, I think Saginaw's maybe dropped like three home games the past four or five years, so um, this is definitely a game that Saginaw can win. Uh, I don't think they have a chance, no offense, at the Bowling Green invite, but I think they have a great chance at home. So I agree. Uh I don't know. Uh, I don't know if Spencer is going to the Bowling Green invite. I haven't heard that. Uh, I think it comes down. I think the only way that they'd be able to take down GVSU at BGSU would be if Spencer's there, just because I saw how far out of their comfort zone they were at Ohio State, and I think you know a veteran who's been there for a while would add that sort of dimension for them, uh, but. At the at the Battle of the Valleys, SVSU hosting GVSU. I'm still sticking with my prediction of three to one GVSU, but I think it's going to be a lot more hard fought. And who knows? Maybe they'll pick up that third point in garbage time when Saginaw's playing out of their comfort zone and rushing just to try and get a point. You know, so we'll see. I it's it's definitely going to be an interesting couple of weeks in dodgeball. Uh, we're going to learn a lot more about where teams stand in the league, and I'm personally very excited. Yeah, it'll definitely be a good season. Um, we'll have another one for you probably towards the end of next month, yeah. uh, so end of November. So you can we can recap all these terms we just talked about, preview a couple more matches coming up, like Michigan State Grand Valley. And uh, I think West Kentucky plays the University of Kentucky again pretty soon, so that'll be another another good game. So, um, yeah, and the Kentucky Invite. Forgot about that one, but that's a, that's a good one too. That'll be a great one. So, yeah, this is Sam Hiller and Mike Van Aaron signing off. Thank you for listening to Average Joe's Podcast.